Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. My name is Anthony Nicolosi. And I'm Skylar Sokol. And uh, today we are going to be talking about the intellectual property conundrum. Skylar. Wow. <laughs> what an exciting topic. So, after, we, after we talked about video games last week, we were going to talk about law this week. So get excited. Don't, yeah, I have fear no not. idea what we're talking about, actually. Fear not. This is not law. We are going to continue the... I, the uh, structure in which one of us kind of picks a topic, does a little preliminary research on it, and we start a conversation about it. Uh, please also you, audience, Sharon out there, John, please chime in as well. Find us, you, you can find us on Twitter, on TikTok, Instagram. Uh, our accounts, our personal accounts are there. Find us, talk to us, let us know in, in the comments as well uh, your thoughts on this topic as we go. Well, you'll see. There's plenty to talk about. Not anything. I, I'm not planning to talk anything really on the, the legal side. Uh. But uh, I, I have my notes here. The way I'd introduce this topic is I want to talk about the conflicting interests involved in creating and maintaining an intellectual property in the video game industry. Right. So basically, how do studios balance their creative vision, uh, their fan base expectations, the business needs, and industry advancements. So probably the first thing to make clear is, in my pers- from my perspective, those are kind of the four high-level elements to this conundrum. Uh, when I mean creative vision, when a studio has a creative vision, I mean like if a studio could just do whatever they wanted, right? Like just whatever idea they have in their head. We'd love to make a farming simulator. We'd love to make a shooter underwater or whatever. That's the creative vision. Um, the untouched creative vision mm-hmm. that's not influenced by fan base expectations, business needs, anything. Right. Fan base expectations, pretty straightforward. Yes. Um, I, I think it's there to some extent at any point in the intellectual property life cycle, meaning I think there's a difference between before a game has released... And then after, like, it's released, it's been successful, and all of a sudden fans, like, sort of expect something out of the identity, but we'll get into that. Uh, business needs, uh, that's a pretty big area, and we'll get into all the nuances there, but basically, uh, you know, the financial expect video games are a business at the end of the day, unfortunately, many times. I'm excited for this part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys just wait till what Skyler's, I know this, <laughs> there's several things that are going to pull out some stuff here. Uh, Scott has got some some thoughts on, um, and then the industry advancements is is a combination of maybe for maybe there's game modes or game ideas that have become prevalent in the right. industry sure. recently. Or new consoles, new hardware, or new, new consoles, technology, technology yep. advancements. Yep. I get it. So That's why Blizzard isn't still making SNES. Uniracer games, correct, and that's also why many people have recently tried Battle Royale per se. For, uh, uh, complicated, but that's the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to do this topic because I think um, it's easy from from a fan's perspective. Um, you fall in love with an intellectual property for a variety of reasons. That's a whole thing we can talk about. And then you see a studio go a certain direction or move in a certain direction and you wonder, why aren't they just doing it this other way? I prefer this other way. Or maybe it is the way you want, but then you see other fans being uh, really mad about it or you know not liking the new direction, even though you're happy with it. Um, I wanted to kind of get into the... Enlighten the reality there in a sense like put bring it to light all the nuances and complications there okay uh, any initial thoughts any things that came out of your head no. when i said that so so far i have no idea what you actually want to talk about <laughs> so from from the the first part i think um so when you when you want it when we when a studio wants to make a game right the goal i think is a little mixed do you agree in that you have a creative vision for the studio, but many times you also need the game to be somewhat successful so that you can, well, quite frankly, keep making games, right? Uh, At first, I think, um, yes, in some ways. Okay. But I don't know. I don't think that's a necessity. Like, I know ton- there are plenty of developers who just make the game they want and whatever happens, happens. 
I'm going to get back to it. I'm like, cool. I know tons of indie developers who've done that and have either had success or not. And they don't care either way. Cause they made the game they wanted. Cool. Right. I, I want to like touch on that. A Should we later. touch on it now? <laughs> yeah. It's because yeah, we can touch on that. Now. I don't know. Like, so I, from my perspective, um, let's touch on that now. So, these the, these variety of conflicts of interests, right? That we're we're having here, um, I feel like they show up at a different magnitude and to and, and exert a different level of influence over maybe a an indie studio than like a triple A studio. I don't think they have to, but I think in the current world they do. Sure. Okay. Um, and I my question to you, which I think is along these lines, is. I, I, in my opinion, I feel that a lot of times that the AAA games are somehow muddied by that, um, and mm-hmm. that something that the indie studios in this from the on this level have uh, on this topic have to their advantage is this kind of purity of intention and yeah. limitation. There's definitely a reason why I am more drawn to indie games than I am to AAA games, generally speaking, because yeah. As you're saying, the experience you get out of an indie game feels much more like pure and creative, and I you just feel a lot more passion. And not to say that AAA developers aren't passionate. I've watched plenty of like, you know, dev diaries from like Overwatch, for example, and some of the developers on Overwatch like are like in love with that idea and like super passionate about it. And that's totally possible. But if like the guy designing like Torbjorn's arm is super passionate, then great, Torbjorn's going to have, like, a really nice arm. But if the person designing the entire game is, like, and the person completely in control or, like, a small group completely in control of the game, then the whole game is going to, like, have that passion. And I think that's why it gets so lost in AAA titles, just because even though there are passionate people throughout the process, either they're passionate about different things or there's just muddied by people who aren't as passionate and may just be there for, you know capitalist greed or whatever right so that's yeah so in a triple a studio in many times right i'm trying to think of one which this is not necessarily the case but i mean i think overwatch is a very good example of a game that was made by a triple a studio that was like did not that felt it almost felt like an indie game just from okay. like explain that i mean it was weird from your, it yeah. felt like like the most polished indie game ever to me because, and I think it's just because it was a new IP from Blizzard that helped. Because, like, it's hard to say that, like, a, the fourth game in a series feels like a new, like, yeah, feels yeah. like an indie game. Yep. Um, but, like, I don't know. I just think it was clear they were so passionate about it. They released these, like, super well-produced, like, lore accompanying videos. They did a bunch of, like, developer stuff, interviews. Like, I think this is They released, like, dev diary. Like, right. they were just very... It, they did a good job of showing that they were passionate about the game. That made me feel the passion. Like, I felt I it, and it made me want to play Overwatch, even though it's okay. not really the style of game that I would normally play. But I, like, felt that, that, that significance, so it made me more motivated to play it. Whereas, like, uh, the new Call of Duty, uh, which is just a game I wouldn't normally play anyway, but I'm trying to think of a game I would normally, like, I would, I, that's in a genre that I would be somewhat interested in that has been this AAA that I, like, avoid because of this. I mean, like, Fallout games, for example, I guess. Like, I don't know. Don't really do anything for you on that front. I mean, those games, it's it's hard because, like, I know very much, like, the kinds of things, the kinds of experiences I'm looking for, um, and it's just AAA studios don't really make those experiences generally, but I think it's just... From a gameplay perspective, to be right. clear. Yeah. But you can tell the difference between a studio that like really, really gave a shit about their game and, and someone who just like released the game. Like, WWE 2K20 <laughs> is a great... I don't know if you've seen any of the... No. Like, oh, my God. So the internet is like full of videos of like glitches in that game. Like That game is potentially like one of the most broken games I've ever seen. Really? Yes. It, you should... I will I'll show you after, because it. yeah. it's hilarious. And like just from watching it, you're just like... How is this like a game that got released or Alien Colonial? Mar- I know what, you're, what I know was what that you're game called. About. The know. one where, like, a year later, some random fan found that they hadn't enabled like a checkbox in yeah. an INI file that turned the AI on. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, shoot, I can't remember it. I think it was Aliens Colonial Marine or something. It, it might have been. Uh, but anyway, like, come on, <laughs> I'm sure there are passionate people there, but like, you, when you release a product like that, it doesn't feel that way. So, 
So this is such, yeah, this is a really interesting thread that you opened up with Overwatch um, about, you said it felt like an indie game. Um, from the levels of polish and the gameplay execution and the variety there, like, immediately, if I, if, you, if those were the only metrics, it, it's clear, like, man, they've got the resources of a That's why I said studio. it's like the most polished indie game yeah. of all time. Um, but it was interesting that the things that you brought out that are why... It, it made it. You, it made it feel like an indie studio was the fact. Basically, that they communicated their passion out. It, it was like the a lot of it came from the community engagement. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. And I think that's a big thing, right? If you like build a community engagement with your audience, they can feel like your dedication to the game more, right? And people want that really badly. Yep. Generally speaking, like they just don't get it very often. So I don't think people even really expect it or ask for it, um, unless they're like get super into a game but i think for a game you're not even super into that existing could potentially just like make it so much more exciting and to finish that thought you i think are also saying that what's lacking in a lot of AAA studios is just that or at least in a lot of AAA games that are published is it feels like hey here's product x buy it you need it and like, now you'll never talk to us again. Yes. Until we release product uh, product Y. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a better way to like, like explain the, like that. Yeah. How that feels, but yeah, it just uh, like you said, greedy capitalism feel like uh, uh, when you open up the can of worms of the monetization schemes that have showed up in recent years. Yeah. That's a whole yes. other thing on top of that. But it's when you don't even. When you don't show the human element to the studio, it just comes across as this product that's released um, just to make money with these manipulative schemes to get more money. I mean, I, I, I agree. Like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen... I mean, this is, of course, objective to my experience, but I guess an indie studio make me feel that way, I guess. Um, I haven't, personally. but I've seen people complain about tons of, like, plenty of indie games that, yeah, that made I'm, them feel Sure, that maybe it, it probably... Like Rocket League somewhere. crates, for example. I mean, yeah. it's hard to say that Rocket League is still an indie game. It's, like, difficult to refer to that as an indie game at this point, but... Yeah. No, I, um, I agree. But still, like, that was a game where people... But, I never felt like that, but people, like, got pissed even, like, at the beginning when they released, like, the first DLC that had, like, the Dominus and those cars in it. That was, like, early in the game's lifetime, and people got pissed. So I, I don't... Yeah, to be clear, I don't think it's necessarily just that that DLC is present or not, like the microtransactions are present or not. It's just that um, there's no... The only communication you get out of the studio is, like, give us money. Right? Sure. So I think that's... Yeah, and Psyonix goes beyond that, for right. sure. So um, anyway, I think this is... Shout-outs to Durkind, the community manager for Psyonix. Shout-out, man. <laughs> is he the one that is always posting announcements on the Discord? No, maybe? I don't know. I'm friends with him on the, Steam. That's the Rocket League e- Discord could chill a little bit, my announcement <laughs> stuff. I got, like, I get every so day. many yeah, announcements yeah, yeah. It's pretty Rocket annoying. League but I love Rocket League, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, that yeah. So, in my opinion, I feel that w- the... When you have multiple designers on a project, it's it be, it becomes more challenging many times. I think at a certain number, I don't know what it is, but uh, it starts becoming not it, it it starts moving from designers are complementing each other to designers are, are are introducing ideas that conflict, and what kind of emerges is the the compromise between the ideas, if that makes sense, and. Uh, that many times that's hard to execute in a way that comes out really satisfying. It's kind of like something that sort of feels like a lot of things, but still lacks a congruency uh, to it. While I, I think to their advantage, indie studios, quite frankly, from a lack of resources... There's more broadly in control of the product, yes. Yeah, and, and have a more direct influence on the product, on the design, and on the studio and everything, right? Because the reality is, like you said, maybe the whole entire Overwatch design team is super passionate. And they have this creative vision for the way they want Overwatch to go. Um, They see stuff happening in the industry that they find a meaningful way to pull into Overwatch. They have, and they think the 
they think it's in line with what the fan base is asking for and they're excited. And then the publishing team comes down and is like, hey, for whatever reason, like we need to push this other thing, right? Um, and you have to balance that somehow, right? Like I, I know that... Um, I mean, I don't think you have to. I think you can choose to. Uh, yeah. Do you think... Now, do you think those designers, practically speaking, um, right, it's probably to their... If they want to maintain the job to some extent, they probably have to compromise something. I mean, I think I mean, that's sure. reality. Like, if you work for a shitty AAA studio, yeah. <laughs> I, like, yes. I, I don't know. I... If, like, my whole design team thinks something is a good idea and, like, my marketing guy says it's not, I'm going to tell them. I'm gonna, the marketing guy is the one losing his job, not the design team. That's all I'm saying. These are the K.O. Koala <laughs> values. No, I agree with you. I um, I lament that that's a reality yes. as well. Uh, I just think it is a reality. So when, not to say, not to excuse it, but to bring light to really why the games we play are what they are, especially out of the AAA space. I mean, it's sure. A, it's a convoluted product, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Not. N- it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Because like some of the best games that have ever been released wouldn't have even been possible if AAA Studios didn't, couldn't exist, right? Like, it's just not feasible for an indie studio to produce like The Last of Us or like name another huge tr- like Halo, whatever. Five or four or three or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Halo. Yeah. I don't know how big the team was for Halo One, so that's why I didn't say Halo yeah, One. I don't but, remember. Um, but regardless, just like you know, there's like games that are like the best games ever released. Many of them are AAA titles and yeah. would not have been possible otherwise. Like Bioshock Infinite, for example. Bioshock, those games I love. Those would not have been possible without a big studio, at least in the past. Yeah. And it, we're moving towards like more and more deep long, very polished experiences being possible from smaller teams. So it'll be interesting to see if how that affects like these large studios. And I mean, that's the reality for us, right? The, yeah, at KO Koala, like the reason why we can even attempt to make a game is because of the advancements of uh, technology, right? Yep. Thanks to Unreal Engine 4 being awesome, it's even remotely possible to make the game with the experience we want to make. Yeah. Right? As with the small amount of resources that we have. So I agree. And I think that's that's a cool thing about the current climate, right? Is that indie studios have these resources available to them. That's, mm-hmm. again, a, it's more competitive now for sure, I think, in the indie space, right? But, well, I mean, just like making a good indie game before these existed took forever. Like yeah. just, it's not that good games weren't coming out of indie studios. It's just that they were took forever. So like... The really good people releasing, like, one game every, like, five to ten years because that was the reality, right? Yep. And now they may not need to do that anymore, right? They can, like, make... Yeah, they can iterate faster. The game they want faster, potentially, right? And yep. that's great, I yep. think. Um, I mean, I also wanted to... So, yeah, from from the business perspective, uh, these... There are some AAA studios that are even, you know, publicly traded, right? Yep. Like EA, Activision, they, they are publicly take-two uh, traded companies. So from my perspective, that's a big disadvantage to the creative side, right? Oh, like yeah. you have, it's a huge disadvantage. You are um, accountable to investors every three months. Your customer is no longer just the person playing your game and... Yep, your investors want to see a That's return the only on their money. You actually want yeah. to care about. So yeah, and I think that's to the disadvantage of design teams. I agree that due to the resources available to them, including the uh, fi- the financial resources available to them, they're able to execute uh, at a greater scale than an indie studio can, of course, for sure. And it's not that all- there aren't compelling experience that have come out of these studios as we've said before but generally speaking yeah i definitely feel like it muddies it um it muddies the design intention yeah Um, i mean i think like yeah there's just so many examples of games that like on introduction on on reveal of these concepts seemed like so deep and passionate and amazing and 
it was just clear that the people making them really, really gave a shit. And then over time, you like get towards release, and then it was released, and then the reception is like, what the hell is this game? It's nothing like this original vision that seems so amazing. I, I think of Watch Dogs as a really good example of this. In my opinion, Watch Dogs like, was one of the best revealed games ever like revealed it just was amazing like the way they revealed it it was like the last thing in the ubisoft press comments at e3 it's this like brand new ip the intro to the reveal was super sick because it was just about like technology and like paranoia about technology and nothing to do with the game and that slowly like became the game and then the trailer was like one of the best like looking tr- like game it had gameplay in the very first reveal and it was like one of the best looking gameplays ever like from a trailer at that time and then the final game came out it looked like nothing like the trailer it looked way worse uh, the, like, experience was kind of muddy, there wasn't, like, the things that were so cool about the concept as a whole were not, were not the main focus of the game at that point. I mean, I would argue, I would bet that maybe that game didn't need to be, like, as long as it was, there could have been a lot less, and you could have gotten a lot more out of it, because, you know, they just think, you just have to have a, to sell a game for 60 bucks in the modern day, it has to be, like, a specific length, a specific blah blah blah, and all that, so... I don't know. That's a, I think that's just one example of tons of games that have come out of AAA Studios that, like, it's very clear at the onset that this is a game that people cared a ton about in the studio, that people even at the higher level care a ton about it, and then it's still just, like, yeah. over time you see so obviously that this was then just, like, torn apart from the inside. Yeah, I, I'm, and I was going to say, it's hard to gather sometimes what really happened there, right? Like, um... I'm going to use the example of the Master Chief Collection. When it was announced, was like the hype was unbelievable. They were going to release all four Halos on Xbox One remastered. I remember I was crazy hyped. You were probably more so than downing Mountain Dews and throwing Doritos <laughs> everywhere. Uh, and then it came out to, to like pretty well, you know, super well known, spectacular failure. Right, tons of bugs. Multiplayer didn't work well, and. There have been interviews with members from 343 since then, and what the way I read it is that it was a mixed bag of uh, everyone at 343 and their partners would have loved to ship that game, and um, several of them have like publicly stated about how much they hate how it, how it ended up coming out, right? Um, and that they did all in their power, but it to, the way I read it is that there was a there was a shift, really, in the goal of what they were trying to shift. And I, I wonder, right? I don't know if we'll ever know. But if at some point it was initially going to just be Halo 2, Halo 2, I'm sorry, Halo 2 Anniversary, a remake of Halo 2 because it was going to be the anniversary of Halo 2. Um, and then it shifted to this some more... business guy was like, well, why not just get them all? I, I, I wonder, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know how insane a project like that is? Uh-huh. I I just I find it hard to believe that people as intelligent as they are in three four three and in that studio couldn't foresee the potential technical ramifications of having like seven engines in one game, <laughs> and how that might be tough to ship in the time frame they had. Yeah. Uh, so that sucks, right? At the same time, like, uh, I love the Master Chief Collection, and now that it's been fixed, it's it's. It's maybe overall my favorite game at the moment, right? Right. Because of that, but uh, yeah, it's this is the the this 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 conversation was meant to bring about like the reality of the muddy reality. That I don't know if especially a lot of consumers think about of video games. Right. I thought of another really good example. Yeah, go for it. This is an indie studio example though, which is cool. I think good in another way. So. What it was the most hyped indie game of probably the last like five years? That was the biggest failure. <laughs> Correct, No Man's Sky. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yes, that game on announcement was probably like one of the most widespread excitements about an indie game like I've ever even seen. Yeah, I agree. Like, and for good reason because the way it was painted was, like, extremely exciting. It was beyond any, like, technological or, like, game experience that had ever been presented. And, I mean, that's what indie games are really good at, right? Like, pushing the boundaries of, like, niche experience... Like, these yeah, yeah, niche yeah. experiential yeah, yeah, yeah. boundaries. And so people got super hype, and it got so much press and so much attention. And 
I mean, I've heard that nowadays they've done a lot of work and it's actually a really good game now. Yep. But I, I don't. Yeah, it released to little oh, fanfare. Very <laughs> like not even little fanfare. Like yeah, tons of anger yes, and like upsetness and so I mean, even a game like that that probably what happened wasn't that it was like business people screwing them over. It was probably just that the game got overhyped and they then had to meet expectations that they couldn't meet with the resources they had. And there was pressure to release it because you can't announce a game like that, have it be that hype and then just like expect that to stick around for that long. And so they probably just released what they could. And yeah, no, I agree that it like, is kind of like it sucked. I'm sure all of these developers would like love to tell us the reality behind all of these things. Call us know? up. You can come on Koala anytime. <laughs> we have tea. Yeah. And you can come <laughs> sit right next to me on this couch. Skyler would love to hear the truth. I would. Um, no, I would. I, I know a lot of people would. It's This is the complicated reality. There's definitely legal involved there of you know, what, what actually happens and, and finding out about that. Yep. Yeah, I... Uh, I think that's a whole thing too, the marketing of these experiences. Um, kind of bring it out again, but Halo 5, the r- main reason I was so disappointed with it, with it, and it's probably overall that for Halo, my, the campaign is like my most, the most important part to me, and then the multiplayer is just the big, it's like the campaign's the steak, and then the multiplayer is like a super long dessert. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the Halo 5 campaign is easily the worst in the series, in my opinion. Uh, and I, I think a big reason why is because the marketing was outstanding. Right. Like, it was going to be... They did this whole podcast thing of uh, uh, the guy investigating the truth of the Spartan program, and you were going to be locking, you are going to be hunting Chief down. It was almost like lore, and they just... Right. Yeah. And then it came out, and whoop! Like, they didn't capitalize on any of the opportunities there. I seriously wonder, I hope that one day the NDAs on that expire and somebody says the truth of what happened. I wonder if there was a pivot. I, I'm not sure I'm convinced that it was just a bad execution. I feel like there was a pivot in maybe their initial vision for some reason. Um, I wonder, like, here's, here's this is just conspiracy, my own theory, but, like, the initial marketing was you're a lock chasing Chief. Chief maybe went rogue or something. Do you think maybe a Microsoft guy comes in and is like, hey, you can't make the face of Xbox a bad guy? Yeah, you know? totally. Yes. So I could see something like that mm-hmm. happening, which is unfortunate because I feel like that would have been such a sweet story. And you could argue like they shouldn't have even gone down that path if, if, if knowing that this could have happened. Like that's a whole other thing. But that's what sucks, right? That's the reality of some of these that I think a lot of these AAA studios are constantly balancing. It's I- like... They had their vision, let's say, let's argue, mm-hmm. Chief's the bad guy, and that's really cool. And then somebody shows up and says, no, you have to do this other thing. You have to because we're paying you to do it. You know what I mean? Um, like, that's uh, that really sucks. And I'm sure there's a lot of hair ripping out of hair that happens lots of times under those circumstances. But I feel like that moment, you, what can you do? Uh, quit. quit. You Not can no, no. Game. You can say we won't make it then. Yeah, no, I you mean, can't do you really quit. think three four three didn't have if they had the balls to do it. If this was the scenario, didn't have the power to say no, we won't make it then. Like, I think, they, was there another studio that they would have wanted to make Halo besides three four three at that time? No, no. I, I, but I could potentially see jobs being on the line. I, I mean, mean, I could see like high, high up people's jobs being on the line. The people who care less about the creative vision and care more about like the money and the business relationship potentially yeah. basically enforcing that on the people who didn't have very much power I, yeah. even on the 343 side I think that's hard though right like I think there's some elements to that I mean that I don't true. think it's hard if you have good priorities but it's hard because there are people who don't have the right priorities this I, I'm I'm really happy this conversation is coming out because it's like this is like the mess that it is right like yeah because at the same time I think you could also argue and the Halo franchise, I think, has, like, 343 has gone through this, uh, in my opinion, where um, the people, there are people in charge who do want the best for Halo and for the fans, and they're just attempting to navigate the waters into the opportunity to execute where they, where they think that fans actually want it to be. And I think we're finally seeing the fruits of that, if that makes sense. Like, 
now they're going they're releasing Halo on the PC like has been asked for their fixed Master Chief collection, which was not a cost was not advantageous from a financial perspective uh, to fix it on Xbox. Maybe you could argue if they fix it for a PC release, yeah, they can monetize it that way. But they're anyway. Um, so I, what I'm saying is that sometimes I think, especially in the case of observing what's going on with Halo, I think the people who are in charge do give a shit. It's this complicated, like, weathering a storm out so that you can get to where you want to go thing. And because there have been... Because, like, uh, from the AAA space... Uh, I was going to say this before, but I didn't want to interrupt. I'm, I'm, I think it's pretty cool, generally speaking, what Microsoft is doing right now. I, I think the freedom they're giving a lot of their studios is commendable on, like, creatively, the, the freedom they have. Um to do things and even on the platforms they release on, like not necessarily tying down these releases, like Obsidian's Outer World that just came out, which was good. It's released on all platforms, but they are now a Microsoft studio. Anyway, um, so why was I, why did I say that? Because that leadership, Microsoft leadership has changed. It's not the same as it was at the beginning of this generation. And I'd like to think that it was because the people who were steering the ship in the wrong direction were found out and replaced. Well, I think it's probably because we sort of hit, like, the dark age of AAA games over the past, like, five years. Like, Star Wars Battlefront, uh, other, like, you know, just, there were so many AAA games that got released in, like, the past five to eight years that were horrible, like, releases, horribly received, pissed off the community, they had to make, like, changes to them, they had to do all this stuff, like, I think we basically hit the breaking point of, like, the greed that people started having it from a AAA perspective, and fans stopped being okay with it just because they liked the studio or they liked the franchise, and this, like, are you, are you, like, Star Wars is, like, the most popular, one of the most popular, like, franchises ever, and, like, they pissed everyone off, right? It's just, um... I agree. I agree. You can't, Yeah. And I think hit the studios fans. were just like, oh, yeah, we have this IP that's great, so we can do anything now. Yeah. Right? We, like, are in, we're past the, like, the plateau of needing to do things to please people. Now we just have to, like, put the same meal back on their plate so they can eat it again. Um, so, I'm just, think it's dumb. So, you bring up a great point with that, in that... I think every game developer wants the thing they make to be loved, right? I think that's a part of it, at least. Uh, maybe not everyone. Okay, I don't want to talk for everyone and make total conclusions. I mean, but if, I that, think was, a if lot, that was the case, then we would never have games that failed like this. Sorry? If sorry, every yeah. person developing these games wants their game to be loved, then we wouldn't get into these situations. Uh, well, so and, it, and if they didn't have true. constraints... Well, the, I mean... Were, are you referring to developers like literally the people writing the code, or are you just saying anyone involved in the making of the game? No, sorry. Like, the yeah, the people who actually make it. So, like, the developers, the artists, the... The guy who made Torbjorn's arm. Torbjorn's arm, yes. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Torbjorn? Tor- Torbjorn. Sorry. Yeah. I've played Overwatch, the beta only. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, I don't know. I think that... Okay. I think a lot of game developers would like... Uh, for their the thing the experiences they make to be received well and to be enjoyed by others um so what so what you in a sense what i'm saying is you'd want your intellectual property to be successful and to be liked right um but i do think i think it's an interesting situation that occurs that now i i it's nice if you have an intellectual property as a game studio um also talking from our perspective if we were to release a game right if to use that angle and it's successful it's nice to know that you have an intellectual property that people like and that you can build off of and expect uh that you know there's interest there right mm-hmm. um from also from a business perspective knowing like not that necessarily you know for sure you're going to sell a bunch of this one but you know people have received it well and that it's got some amount of mind share and there's reason to whatever so that's cool. And creatively, it 
may line up as well. You love the thing. There's more you want to add to the creative vision and identity of the property. Um, but I think there comes a time where it's, I, th- I think, that a studio can kind of be creatively spent on an idea and would like to pivot to a new idea, but the business says, let's keep this thing going, right? I mean, you, th- tons of, obviously, especially in the AAA space, franchises that, that is Halo being one of them, right? A lot of people think Halo should have ended on three. You know the best example? You know what series has like 10 plus games that should have had like three games? Which one? It's an Ubisoft series. Oh, okay. Do you know? Uh, Takes place in 10 plus games. They released one. Yeah, dude. (laughs) It's actually crazy because Assassin's Creed actually brought it back. Like, the most recent Assassin's Creed game had amazing reception. Yeah. So, like, they've actually and, but gone interestingly, downhill and then have, have that resurfaced. Kind of, that kind of... That resurfacing, though, picked up after the year break. I, I believe there was a year break before the Egypt one came out. I, I think it's called Odyssey, but I think Odyssey. you're right. Is, that, is it called Odyssey? No, I think Odyssey is the latest which everyone likes. Right. I think the one before it is the one in Egypt... And I don't remember its name. I thought that's Odyssey. I thought the most recent one was the Egypt one. No, the most recent one is like Mediterranean-y. Like you're Ro- not like I roam. There are way too many Assassin's Creed <laughs> games and that's the point of what I'm saying. Uh, but but interestingly, um, it happened after the break. Like, Apparently. There, there was a year break, where, like you said. Anyway, yes, Assassin's Creed's an example. Lots of, I mean, Call of Duty... Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Is that the one you were thinking of? Yeah, that's a I, good one. I thought you were gonna say Call Duty. But that's a really good one. I mean, yeah, I I don't generally care for the gameplay of Call of Duty, but I uh, think it's it's unbelievable the milking of that franchise. But I, I Activision, I yeah, Activision it has continues to be milked. Yes, every day. Uh, Just the other day, the milking began again. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, yeah, anyway, um, no, well, I, I don't want like, if, if your games audience are being called out here, no, this is not a personal attack on you. You can enjoy any game you want, but yes. that doesn't mean that that game isn't shit. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that is Skylar's objective <laughs> Evaluation. That is an official KO Koala statement <laughs> that I just made. Um, yeah, no. No, I want to talk about, though, really quick. Just yeah. th- There are studios, though. Well, and maybe this is jumping the gun. Say what you're going to say, and then I'm going to no, 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 save this I, I think I probably dropped... That thread ran away. Okay. Finish. Yeah, go. Well, I was... I'm sort of changing the thread anyway. So, I do think, though, that there are studios, even AAA studios, that have demonstrated an ability to maintain an IP over a very large series of games, and succeed in almost every instance. Let's hear the majority Let's of them. One example. And our best boys for doing that are our good friends Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey are, like, two of the best games that have ever been made. Just, like, objectively speaking, two of the best video games that have ever been made. Like, widely agreed upon, right? Breath of the Wild is, like, arguably, people would say, one of, like, the best game ever made. A lot of people would say that. Um, and it's widely agreed upon to be the best game that year, for sure. And that wasn't a bad year for video games, either. Yeah, there was a lot of good ones. So, I think I, Red Dead was in there, too. I, I, re- remember, I really but, liked Red Dead, too. Um, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's possible, for sure. But I think the thing Nintendo does that a lot of these studios are afraid to do, which we'll get into this whole business fan-pleasing conversation is they will just pivot insanely on the idea, right? Even Zelda 1 was a top-down, like, walk-around hack-and-slash. Zelda 2 was literally a side-scroller, right? Mm -hmm. Zelda 3 returned, I think, to the top-down, or maybe it was isometric. But, like, they just, like, do whatever they want. Nintendo's a great company for talking about this. They just, like, do their creative vision. And one of the reasons they do this and one of the ways they accomplish it is that they're super closed off to public interaction. Nintendo doesn't really interact with people very much. They don't really take community engagement very seriously at all. Maybe they do in Japan, I don't know, but at least with American audiences, they do, like, nothing. Smash Ultimate is one of the first games where, like, fans have felt that Nintendo has listened to them about things and released characters that they've wanted. Nintendo's even said that, right? Nintendo's always been way behind the curve on, like, fan engagement and, like, the obvious fundamental things that should be good about their games, like the networking code 
like the networking being easy to use. They just like f- drop the ball on these super obvious things that should be in the games, but then they make these extremely unique experiences that end up being like some of the best things of all time with these IPs that they've had for longer than most of these IPs we're go- we've talked about existed. Right? Like Mario and Zelda have been around for way longer than the Halo or yeah, yeah, yeah. Assassin's yeah. Creed and have had way more games and are still being constantly successful. It's interesting that you say that because I'm going to let's use Nintendo and then I'll, I'll use Halo as a reference point. Halo has been uh, the fan base is super divided because they changed. Right. Halo. Right. right. That's when, why I'm saying that it's because Nintendo's so closed off. They basically don't care. They yeah. just, they, they are a great example of company like, that just does what they want. And I love it. Do it. I think they do what they want, but I think I think there's more to the genius there, is I guess what I'm saying, outside of the fact that they just do whatever they want. Um, they, I don't know, They I feel like the thing they do really good about their worlds that they nurture and look after is that th- these games feel like entry points into the world. Not necessarily the definition of the world, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yes. And so that's part of the reason why, like, you can get away with, get away with, why they create these games that are so different from each other, but are still really enjoyable and pleasing within the realms of that intellectual property. Why it's acceptable that in every single Mario game, Mario's goal is to save Princess Peach from Bowser, and yet it's still, like, a compelling experience. Yeah. Right? They they just, like, have... Yeah, they've crafted these IPs in such a way that they're not bound by the IP in any way. It's just sort of a vehicle for them to create whatever experiences they want with some familiarity to the audience. I wish more people would take this perspective, especially in the AAA You know, this may be a political statement, but it's something my brain came to, which is that, like, Japan, in Japanese history, there's been a lot of of Japanese isolation and development in their own culture. Like, a lot of things that happened in Japan came out, like, they purposefully politically isolated themselves for, like, a very long time. Um, in their history. I think it was in the middle of the 1900s or early... I can't remember when. Took a Japanese history class in college. But regardless, that was like a big thing. They isolated and they innovated on their own stuff. And this is like very much a parallel to how Nintendo acts, right? They're basically... They just like isolate themselves from everything else that's going on. Very clear from like the things I said. They just miss these fundamental things that are so obvious that should be a thing. Like when they released Mario Maker 2 just recently, right... They were like, yeah, and you can play multiplayer online. You can create these co-op levels. And you can do all this. And there was no system in place in the game for you to do it with your friends. You could only do it with random matchmaking. There was no way to do it locally. There's, And maybe you could do it online, but you definitely couldn't do it locally. Like, Or maybe you could only do it locally. I think it was you could only do it locally and you couldn't do it online. Same with Mario Tennis. I believe that was the exact same thing, too. They And that's, like, so obvious and yeah. so expected. And they just miss it completely because I, I basically think that they're just... They're just like this isolated entity that is acting on its own desires. They don't care about anything else. They just do what they want. And in general, it's been wildly successful. Like, you can't yeah. talk about this, like, success in video games without talking about the Wii, right? Yeah. Which is like, when it came out, people were just like, what the hell is this thing? Yeah. Right? Like, that's the most ridiculous idea ever. And it's the best selling console ever I'm made, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think it still has. I'm not sure if the recent generations have topped it yet, but I know, yeah. regardless, it for a long time, like. Yeah. That is the best-selling console ever made, and I would honestly argue that that console isn't even the console that has had Nintendo's best games on it. That that has yeah. one of the weaker libraries of the Nintendo consoles, generally speaking, of all the Nintendo yeah, consoles. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Right? And yet, they it's just because they do whatever. Yeah, I think it's... Well, it's... it's They do... Their experiences are also just, like, so well-made. Right. right? Like, they just know they're really good at what they do, so they just innovate on that, and they don't care about uh, their yeah, stuff. Yeah, what everyone else does. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that I, it'd be cool if Western Studios... It, it's complicated. Again, the AAA studios... I, like, I, I use Halo as an example. I feel like a horror Halo game would be so cool. Sure. That you were, like, a... UNSC guy and you were like in the flood invasion and like disturbing that I and a lot of people in the community share that sentiment or sentiment or whatever like an RPG of the being an officer in the UNSC like there's a there's a whole drama like space opera going on in Halo that 
you don't touch on when you're just chief kicking everyone's ass. You know what right. I mean? So, like, th- if you kind of took this perspective of giving the player, well, they tried to do that in, in some ways, right? With Halo, like, was so there were some like Halo spin-off two, games, right? Halo like Wars ODST two was an RTS. ODST was like it's still a, definitely a first-person shooter, okay. but um, it was definitely different than the right. other Halo. And like in, Reach in wasn't that a different? Yeah, Reach was still pretty traditional. It okay. had some new stuff. ODST was the furthest deviation, and honestly, I think it was in large part just. Bungie, Bungie's contract with Microsoft was over, making a game and using it as a test bed in a lot of ways for what Destiny would be. Hmm, okay. Um, but yeah, but so, anyway. But still. That idea, but I imagine that it's like, hey, let's put some resources behind this Halo's horror game. And why not put it behind a Halo first-person shooter spinoff? That will sell better, you know. Like, yeah. unfortunately. No, totally. Um, and... I, I think it's silly. I did not expect my brain to like to get to this point in this conversation where I basically am art saying that like Nintendo's success is coming from them ignoring their community, even though it's <laughs> something I value super highly. Like before Nintendo Directs existed, like nowadays Nintendo is the most community agent they've ever had, and that's like a Nintendo Direct every couple months, right? Before they would have like one E three press conference a year, and that was the only thing you heard from Nintendo like the whole year. And yet their press conference was always like the hypish shit. Because, yeah, and maybe it's because you don't Probably know anything. Because yeah, right. <laughs> Probably. Um, but they people just trust that them so much at this point, right? Yep. That it doesn't really matter. Yep. Anyway, I I wish more stu- more properties would be open to that. Right. And I understand that the um, because also I'm aware that the amount of financial the, uh, games are getting expensive to make at a large... Like, these AAA games are freaking expensive development budgets, right? Especially the kinds of games the American AAA studios are trying to make. Yeah, sorry. When I'm saying that, I'm primarily thinking of the AAA studios in America. Yeah. Primarily. uh, When I say that. So... To steal a... Or say a lot of these things. To steal a term from board games, they're the Ameritrash games, (laughs) which is a term that describes American board games that are made... To be like these big board games, but Ameritrash board games are basically board games that instead of being like really well designed experiences, just throw everything they can into it to make <laughs> they like they always have miniatures that are like super well painted. They always have like Kickstarter bonuses that are like you get a hundred thousand metal Isn't coins. That just what it means to be American. You put all the condiments on your burger. I mean you put all <laughs> it's depressing so it means no, I to know. be like a yeah i know i i i think a lot of this podcast has definitely touched on the general conclusion that we lament the fact that money gets so much in the way of what these creative experiences I mean, can why are, talk about like why these huge studios are mer- like merge it's just yeah no i know let's get some sherman antitrust law in here the Sherman Antitrust Act or whatever it is. That's the act for breaking up monopolies. <laughs> Let's get that shit out here and bring it, break this shit up. Although, granted, they're not really monopolies because they're not having unlimited success because they make shit at games and then they're not successful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate. There's real, super, extremely passionate people who work at these studios who... Uh, I'm sure you are just so frustrated and I'm 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 pretty appalled. So for context to the audience too, we come from the background. We are full-time I'm software engineer. You classify yourself as software engineer or a test Whatever. engineer. What would you call yourself? Not a test engineer. Okay, software engineer. Something cooler than that. Yeah, I mean, I would have said software engineer. I usually engineer, say but... cybersecurity researcher, but So um I'm pretty like appalled at how the industry how people who work in this industry are treated um and how these a lot of these studios are run in the triple a space in the american triple a space at least yeah i mean we don't have that much visibility but no from the stories we hear right the between the insane crunch just the ridiculous way decisions are made sometimes and Mm -hmm. this the lamenting, like uh, the reality of this business spin on all of this, uh, it just feels like a wild, wild west kind of a thing. Very unprofessional, lots of times. Not all studio, AAA studios, but to be clear, but um, it's clear that it's prevalent. Well, and I think this isn't even just a video game company problem. This is like a 
company is, problem in America true, in is, general. Yeah, no, this is right. just like a American capitalist society problem. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah. No, to be clear, yes. I just feel if I compare more or less the opportunity outside of startups, the opportunities available in the software, just general professional software space, I, I don't, I don't have those. I don't feel like that the majority of places I'm going to consider are going to unreasonably work me like 80 hours a week. You really don't think so? No, I don't. I don't I, think so. I, I, I think don't there are a lot of exist. people at Google and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and uh, no, I don't. And yeah. All of those companies that would very likely just and Amazon <laughs> who would disagree with you immediately. Yes, I I I definitely agree with that. But I mean, I can also. I could put myself in a position where I currently work to also be pushed beyond. Uh, sure, no, but I, so, you're arguing that it's not the people at the game studios putting themselves in that position. Uh, sorry, say that again? You said like it would be possible for you even at the place you work now to put yourself in that position, but you're saying it's not the yeah, people that, putting themselves in Yeah, that it's mandated on them. Correct, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that's the case at many of these places. Yeah, and... Uh, and but regardless, yeah. that doesn't matter. Like, it, it exists for sure, and it's bad. Yeah. I uh, let me flesh that out maybe more clearly what that thought is as the podcast will have to come to know it's sometimes I say something and that's my initial forming of what I really actually mean okay I think maybe what I'm saying is that it seems like I get the vibe that it's uh it's understood that that's the only way you can make games yes which is very interesting because many indie studios take like 10 years to release games and then they're like some of the best games ever made. Right. Uh, that the only way you can work games is if you like treat people this way and have this kind of a culture. And uh, the whole crunch stuff has really become prevalent over the last few years. It's come out in more detail with different you know people giving their testimonies on how that their experience in the industry, especially around crunch and whatever. But um, yeah. Uh, where did where did this come from? Where did this thread come from? I'm not sure. Anyway, I have no idea. And uh, we've touched on several topics here that I, I think it's worthwhile to mention because um, we we haven't expressed too much exactly what we're doing in Ko Koala, and I think a few of these topics are pretty prevalent to why Ko Koala is being run the way it's being run, which is Ko Koala is a part-time endeavor on our part we are bootstrapping ko koala with our supplementing it with our full-time jobs right so we're working our full-time jobs and part-time working the studio and that was intentional so that we could maintain control over the creative vision and really control of how we go about implementing the game um how we go about releasing and marketing the game and this is a major issue that a lot of these people in these companies have like it's their livelihood it's become their livelihood it's their full-time job right so they don't have that flexibility necessarily um they can't afford to just say i'm gonna say no to this person and risk just having nothing at this point right yep um which is very unfortunate but exactly so that's basically what we're trying to we're trying. Our uh, it'll come out in various forms, but our primary vision, a primary staple of the vision we have for Ko Koala is to create a studio where that's not the case, right? Where sure. Uh, I, and I mean, honestly, I don't think it's very hard to do. Sorry to say, I really don't. Yeah, I, I. So I mean, the the what I'll add to that is I feel like we are in an advantageous per point per situation in which we have a full-time job that allows us to do this on the side. Um, lots of other software places w- don't have that flexibility. Um, so others do, lots of others I'm sure do. But anyway, just to say we're, we have that advantage. Um, and we have the advantage that we work for a really cool place that honors, like respects work-life balance and isn't, I've never been asked to work more than 40 hours at our current job. So we have the opportunity. We have the Is this time. a hiring presentation for both KO Koala <laughs> and the place we work? <laughs> no, it is to say that this is, we, we, it, that being said, while they, those things are to our advantage and being in control of the creative vision and our development of the game is to our advantage. It's not easy. It's hard to do this game part time outside of our job. Like 
and we'd love it to be full time. Meaning it's not, it's not, it didn't, it doesn't come for free. This ability to execute in this way, I, because I, in my opinion, I think that if if I were to throw all my eggs in the let's make this game basket right now, right, like quit my job and go in. Um, I'm going to need to find a way to, I, I don't have enough in savings to supplement my family. Yeah, right. So why not release some kids. shit games while you're in the process so that you can make a quick buck and then. Yeah. Why not? Your, your creative vision becomes, I feel like a lot of indie studios, unfortunately want to make something, but the reality hits and you're compromised in some way, either work with a publisher and when it's become clear in my research there are some lots of publishers that take advantage of indie studios especially those that have a lot of experience and you end up making not not making the game you want to slash maybe not even making a game that really does well like right. or you end up doing contract work for an intellectual property or another like maybe that's what you want to do cool that's awesome maybe all like you really care about is doing that kind of stuff that's fine i'm just saying for what we're trying to do in the vision we have um those kind of constraints would likely compromise what we act the our the the goals we have for the experiences we want to make and the goals we have for how we make those experiences mm-hmm. right? so well and i think i think the problem is that i'm pretty sure that the majority of people who work in these triple a studios uh if you talked to them when they first got their job would probably be in the same boat and would say, hey, I, like, really just want to make games that people love, and I'm very passionate about making games, and, like, I want games to be great, and I would never want to ever release a game that was, like, a yeah. commercial failure or just didn't feel like it met the vision that I wanted. Yeah. Maybe they don't even care if it's a commercial failure. Really, the only thing that they care about is that it meets their vision, right? Because um, that's really what we care about. Um, and so it's just... Then, you know, the the corporate greed takes over. Your game does well, and then suddenly... Make more of them. Suddenly it's like, oh, so we could spend another, like, five years making a new, completely different game, or we could take the, the engine we already made and throw a few bells and whistles on it and release the same game again, and then we'll get more money. And market it really, really well. And then people will be like, wait, why is this the same game? And you'll be like, it's not. You get to now buy DLC. <laughs> um, yeah, right. No, I hear you. So I don't know. It's and so I'm not like the, just to say that I don't think anyone goes into it with bad intentions necessarily, unless they're coming in at like the when it's already the bloated monster. Um, but it's hard to maintain that once it becomes your livelihood, first of all, and once. And if you let, like, external pressures from other things that aren't related to your vision start affecting the development of the game. You just know how many cool experiences probably swimming around in the brains of AAA developers. Yeah, and the the resources they would have to produce, like, optimally skills, made versions yeah. of those experiences. Right. And that's why sometimes to cry you get, about. like, the best <laughs> games ever made, like I'm saying, yeah, coming yeah, yeah. out of AAA studios. Yeah. Because they have the resources to do it, and if they're willing to take this, go down this right path, they have they have the best chance of anyone of making the best games. Yeah, this is a, there's a whole other conversation about the technical and design challenges of executing a big game that we should have sometime. Like, meaning, even if the studio's, like, all on board... Uh, and everyone's on the same page and wants to feed in the same direction. It's tough to make a game, like sure. just period. Right. Uh, so that's a whole nother thing. But anyway, yeah. I- but that doesn't matter if they don't care about some arbitrary deadline, which they probably do. Just because it's hard, like it's fair, it's possible, right? But yeah. usually they decide on an arbitrary deadline or timeline, and thus. Well, technical challenges be, become outweighed by deadline. Sometimes challenges. arbitrary. Sometimes there's like, hey, this is how much money we have to sure. make it. Sure. I mean, right. So not right. really arbitrary. Uh, it's a thing. Uh, right. An, a deadline that if you don't hit, there's potentially really serious consequences too. If is what if you are, yeah, yeah. And I mean, ideally, you're in a situation where that's not the case, right. and in the event that you are coming up to your deadline, which thankfully we're seeing a lot of happening recently, in my opinion, or at least a lot more of, where studios are delaying their games. And I mean, that's, I think, the first sign that things are changing. Yep. Soon we'll get to the point where they're just not estimating their games releases so poorly. Yep. 
But the delay, the like intense, constant delaying that we've seen recently, I think is the first like shift uh, towards just hopefully making your deadlines more conservative. Yep. How to be able to manage a situation is that I right. I mean, this is all us talking from our perspective. I'm sure if we were in there in the trenches, there'd be even more to be like. Then I could name specific people who I thought were the problem. <laughs> yes, I. Yes. I see you, John and Sharon. Sharon, Sharon is watching. Yeah, judging. Sharon, head of game development at some company. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but anyway, I yeah, this was. I, I think this is cool. I I wanted to also, I, and I think it came out here is uh, a lot of times I think fans just throw insults and whatever at a triple a developers and in the ire of the frustration and sometimes just pure maturity or whatever but uh there are like humans there who would love to make a game that you loved and it's just it's really complicated how those people with their skills and passion um and their intentions go from that point to the game you actually get right right i mean i guarantee you that the guy who made like the physics engine that makes the gun in call of duty shoot so like well right probably like is super hype about this thing and you just don't get visibility into that because you're looking at the game as a whole system and it's very hard to like think of it that granular and like I think the like it's just very hard to conceptualize how many people like went into making like a triple A game to like really see that it's not almost not a joke that there could have been like one person whose whole responsibility was to make like Torbjorn's arm right yeah. or like one gun in Call of Duty potentially like, it's crazy that that's a possibility and you would never like conceptualize that you're not playing a game and you're like wow I bet like one person worked on this tiny thing no you think like this this large system feels bad and that means this game sucks yeah. and that means every part of it is like an, i don't like it and, and those people didn't care and those and people didn't care just because the the way it comes together is is bad that doesn't mean that there weren't people there who cared more than like anyone else who's ever made the thing they made about this one tiny piece of the game that's even hard for you to even comprehend is so valuable because the rest of the experience could be so poor yeah Humans make these games. I really wish you'd love them, too. Well, some of them probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, some, some of them wish it for the wrong reasons. I think all of the people at the AAA studios want people to love the games, but some of them want them to love it with their wallet, and other people want them to love it with like their I'm heart sure. I'm sure. or their brain. I'm sure. And then there's probably some mixed. Right. And there's people who want you to hate it. <laughs> yeah. I don't no, think that's true. I, I think, yeah, no. I think conversation, hopefully not. I think conversations in any light that demonstrate, you know, I, I think a lot of times we try and black and white things and the reality is really gray, you know, and uh, tr- games and development and how they come out and the process of making them is super gray. <laughs> right, right. Uh, to say that, like, your conspiracy theory about Halo 5 and the, that pivot even if that's correct, the reality is probably still so much more complicated than that. Even if that's like a thing that happened, right? Like what yeah, goes who into- knows? Maybe it was that they totally went down that path, and for some reason, a partner who was supposed to implement a chunk of the campaign like bailed or something, right? And so they had to like scrap together. A, you know, who right. knows? Uh, right. I just t- no, super totally. Confused. It's yeah. Hope all these studios that we've named here, right? Like, we have the utmost respect for the people who work there. If you got beef, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. That's what Anthony was trying to say. <laughs> uh, I'll talk to you, but not with, not legally speaking, I won't talk to you. <laughs> not legally speaking. None of, none of these statements were facts. No, they were Just not. opinions. They are. This is quality time with KO Koala Entertainment. Uh, we hope... That uh, please share your thoughts on these ma- this matter. You know, call out even the times when you when you put in your comments. If you can put out the timestamp that you're referencing, so that uh, we can jump to the part you're talking about in the comments. Let us know what you think. Do you agree on some of this stuff? Vehemently disagree? Uh, is there something you think that could be added to this conversation that we missed? Uh, if you want to get in Discord and like argue with me, oh yeah, in voice chat, totally down. You guys will just let me know. I'll record it. I'll include it in like a podcast or something. If we have a good conversation, I'm down. 
you are the MBTI debater, right? Yes. Type, right? Yes. Yeah. Pseudoscience states that I am a debater. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, yes. Jump in our Discord, debate Skylar whenever you want. He'd love it uh, yeah. on anything. Uh, yeah, literally anything. Uh, I have a lot of strong opinions. Yeah, catch us on Twitter at KO Koala ENT, Instagram KO Koala ENT, TikTok KO Koala ENT, uh, our YouTube as well, KO Koala Entertainment. So, if you want to see the like depths of Anthony's sense of humor, check out our TikTok. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Very good. All right. Thank you guys. We will see and you. Join next the time. Discord. Join um, the Discord, the KO Koala server. Yeah, we'll. The link will be in the podcast description. I don't think it's valuable to say the link. (laughs) But we'll have all that. We have a website where you can get all the social media stuff. Yep. Check it out. Jump in and, uh, yeah, please join the conversation. We'd sincerely love to hear from you. Uh, And we'd, yeah, hope maybe, depending on what you guys say, it can can fuel the discussion on on a subsequent podcast. I think ideally one day we'd love to maybe even have you guys somehow be a part of these podcasts live <laughs> even. Sure. Uh, yeah. That'd be cool. Maybe people could call in. Anyway. Twitch stream them and talk to chat or whatever. Bring yeah. people in live in discord. There's or we just talk through TikTok duets. Yeah. That'd be. Yeah. Horrific. <laughs> I will not be part. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Let us know. Also on that, if you, if you have any ideas on the format or how we've been talking about things, yeah. do you guys like the, the fact that, the way we've been doing this, where we have a uh, uh, one one person does research on it, and we kind of have a conversation like that. Our idea is to have a conversation, like a, it's an informal conversation between friends, and hopefully you feel you're a part of that, that you can interject. That's that's our goal. Um, obviously, in uh, one day maybe we can get to where you're literally interjecting. You can call in and talk with us, but yes, p- please provide your feedback. We'd love to have the conversation with you um, and let us know what you think about the format. Uh, and yeah, anything else? Any other ideas? Quality time. Oh, that was a horrible sip, but I really wanted it to be a satisfying sip. It wasn't. It almost died. (laughs) Well, if you have misophonia, you will probably unsubscribe after hearing that sound. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Oh, please don't Sharon with misophonia. Yeah. Please don't unsubscribe. I'm drinking mint tea today, by the way. Skylar will never do that again. Mint tea. I'm into it right now. <laughs> All right. We will see you guys later. Thanks for joining us on Kale Quality, Quality Time. time. We'll yes. see you. See you.